everybody welcome to the 229th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man top 20 percentile top shot broker sage in the building very, very fluid introduction there sage bravo they won't know i i'll edit myself so i sound very smart and smooth and uh very oh. very uh well talking but yeah no well but i'll know i'll know. know what happens well you know what Stockbroker Sage, the Top Shop Man, or whatever I said initially, is a very difficult thing to really say. So I might have uh, needed to like, you know, practice my vocal ranges and saying tongue twisters more before I dove right into it. And then I didn't know what number percentile I was. So yeah, it was not my best intro, but it is what it is. Uh, we're both Top Shop boys, both Pack boys, and uh, very happy to talk about Top Shot again. <laughs> God damn it. We'd spent like the last 10 minutes talking about Top Shot and I bring it up right immediately. Anyway, uh, this should be a fun episode, man. It's going to be a fun episode. So last week's episode was, it was difficult to record because Portland was on in the middle of a four game losing streak right after winning six straight. So you don't want to be too negative because not even the, the hardcore fan wants to sit there and listen to 90 minutes of negativity, but you also don't want to pump pump up the team with you know sunshine and daisies and roses and rainbows and unicorns when it's not there. So striking that balance between realism and also seeing what could get better, but what is going better is pretty tough to do. So we got some positive feedback that people really enjoyed last week's episode, and that made me feel really good because I'm always so nervous to promote an episode where the team's not really playing very well because we are kind of realistic podcast when it comes to the Blazers. We, we, we tell it like it is. And we, we got some good news this week. I mean, the Blazers held it down at home. Uh, it was tough. It didn't look like they were going to do it at times, but at the end of the day, three wins are three wins and they handled business against the Charlotte Hornets, 123-111, to setting a franchise record in the process, hitting 24 triples uh, in, that, in that contest. They followed up with a come-from-behind victory, vintage Dame time against the Golden State Warriors, 108-106. to And then to close out the first half of the season, who else? Damian Lillard put his stamp on that game on the first half of the season and just adds to his legacy as the most clutch player, maybe in league history, the Blazers got out a 123-119 victory over the Sacramento Kings, giving Portland season tiebreakers over the Warriors and the Kings, having them at 21-14, and which is not only good enough for fifth in the Western Conference going into the All-Star break, but it is the best record through 35 games since the 2015 season. That's six, seven years. And considering we've had CJ and Nurk out six, seven weeks, Sage, that just speaks to the, the greatness, the, 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 hero, the heroics, the unspeakable. Like Damian Lillard is that dude. And it was on 
full display this week. Usually I ask you what stood out to you this week. I can't like, we have to talk about Damian Lillard because he is literally, he's got the team on his back. I mean, we've all seen the Marshawn Lynch. I'm sorry to, to open up a new. Just think about it. He's been without his two best teammates for God knows how long. And we're winning in spite of losing our second and third best playmaker. The way that he's performing in big minutes, in important minutes, without a lot of talent is huge. We've only complained about the lack of depth a few times in the last few weeks. That's insane that to have this this level of play when every team is locked in on you. There, he doesn't get a break any any time that he's playing. The team is the, the opposing team is going to send a lot of pressure at him. Just think about the Warriors game. They sent an ungodly amount of pressure at him that day, that game, and we won that game. Like he is jump. putting, he's winning. We're winning games in spite of losing our second best, second and third best player. That's amazing for this long. We're still, we're still winning games and sustaining that level of play. You look at his stat lines over the course of these three games for Damian Lillard. It was a rather ho-hum 23 point 10 assists four rebound, three still performance against the Charlotte Hornets. Everyone was clicking. We will talk about other individuals, especially Robert Covington. Uh, You hit 24 threes. You're going to win the game. So despite falling behind by 11 points in that first quarter, the Blazers turned it around quickly, really didn't have too much of an issue taking care of the Hornets. And, And Dame was just able to let his team shine 23 and 10 for Dame. That's light work. And you mentioned it, Sage. Golden State defended Damian Lillard in the regular season. Maybe the that was probably the best defensive onslaught that I have seen somebody do, to, like just to strategize against Damian Lillard for a regular season game. Yeah, just in a regular season game. Maybe in the bubble when Brooklyn was starting to uh, double and behind. Yeah, yeah. But for forty six minutes. Dame really didn't get many looks. And when he did, they weren't really connecting because he didn't get a chance to get into a rhythm. But he still ends up 22 points, six assists, five rebounds. Nobody is going to remember that he shot six of 17 from the the floor because with the game on the line, it's a three-point game. Dame is able to dribble down the left side of the floor for a tough lay-in. We get a defensive stop. and, And of course, he gets the ball and you just know he is going to raise up and it just wetted over Kent Bazemore. And he's just like, yeah, that, that that's it. That's who I am. This is what I do. And so while Steph was the talk of Twitter and had a fantastic night, especially in the first half, he missed a couple late and Dame was like, you left the door open just a little too far mm-hmm. for me. I, I only need a millimeter to open that door. And that's what he did. And that's what everybody is talking about. And then the following night. Oh, no, 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 no. We, no, 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 no. You got to talk about him taking the charge to ice the game. You're right. So that's that's way more impressive to me than any other play. Like that, that was winning basketball when he took. Well, I I think hitting the game winning three is also winning basketball too. (laughs) If he didn't take that, if he wasn't in that position, we would have lost. We would have absolutely lost. Is I forgot about that play. Like there, it's been, it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while since we we. It's been a while since we've seen basketball, um, 
of regular season basketball. And then we've, we'll talk about the all-star weekend, which a lot happened there as well. The, the Kings game, a lot happened there as well. So Dame's just had so many brilliant moments that I completely forgot that he, he sealed that yeah, game. He sealed so, the deal. For, first off, big, big, big ups to Rodney Hood for cutting off Steph Curry mm-hmm. going to his left one-on-one on an island, forcing him to pick up the ball turned and kick it out to Draymond Green 33 feet away from the basket mm-hmm. and which allowed Dame to make that that brilliant play like as soon as I saw him get up I was like charge it I mean that that's just that's just that's an basketball. MVP yeah. that, that's an MVP he's doing it on both ends he's not having the best night but I've said this before on the podcast this dude is the point guard version of Kobe Bryant when I was a uh, watching Kobe in the Rose Garden, all of those battles that we've had. We could be up 20, 25 points. Nothing ever felt safe because he had done it to us before. And he can get hot and just take over even after going cold, cold shooting nights. Damian Lillard strikes that exact same fear into the opponent's hearts and minds. He is the most feared player in the game, in the world, with the game on the line. He may not be the best player, but that is pretty fucking badass to have the most feared player in basketball with the game on the line. Like you just know he is going to get it done and he does it time and time again. And he did it on back-to-back nights. He goes out, plays 38 minutes against the Kings, eight of 15 from three, 50% from the field, uh, just a cool 44 point night with seven assists and, and it was a night where we did not have our best, Sage. Uh, we could, yeah, we could not uh, shake the Kings. It was like the Golden State game. It was we'd score five, they'd score seven. We'd score four, they scored three. Like it was just mini runs back, back, back to back to back. And it was the same performance against the Kings. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. I mean, Dame's just pulling up. And t- in the bat of an ice age, in like a two-minute span, the game was over. I know it went down to the final like heave. Um, you know, they hit a couple of threes. Yeah, yeah that weird that weird free throw where it the, hit the weird like free throw side of the rim, and they had to decide what it was. And thank God we got the rebound. So, but yeah. what was like a tie game turned into a seven point lead in, in just the the blink of an eye. And, and Damian Lillard, like I distinctly remember him catching the uh, one of our teammates caught caught a rebound and just saw Dame. Dame's calling for it cross court. He's on the the left wing from three and he caught and he, he caught the ball and just released it so instantaneously. But it was like everyone knew it was just money. Like everyone's got their hands raised up. I think Der- Derek Jones had his hands raised up. Like we just knew it was Dame time. Like Dame time is closing time, is winning time. Whatever superlative that you want to throw out there, it's good. And it's, it's so enjoyable to watch. He continues to add to his his legacy, his, his bag, whatever you want to say. Like he keeps getting better, and it's so, I think, just joyous because you've seen so many pundits or maybe fans that, that say, "Oh, there's this 22 year old kid out of Weber State. Oh, he had a good rookie year, but that, that's probably where he'll top out." Or he hits a shot against Houston. Oh man, that's that's a great shot. But yeah, he's probably just an all-star caliber player. And then he become fourth in the MVP voting. Oh, now he's first team all NBA. Well, who's to say that's where Dame has to, to, to cap out at? Like he works harder 
then nobody outworks him. Maybe somebody works just as hard as him, but nobody outworks him. And you can just see in his interviews that he's on a mission. Like he wants this for his career. He wants this for the franchise. He, he knows what's at stake. He knows that winning a chip in Portland would just be like what LeBron did with Cleveland, what Dirk did with Dallas. He wants that. And he's willing to put in that sweat equity. And as fans, we get to reap those rewards every single time he puts on a blazer Jersey and goes out there and hoops because I mean, we're, we're we are watching the greatest trailblazer of all time. Uh, it, it is up for debate, but in my eyes, I've came to that conclusion last year. Like this is one bad motherfucker. You know, it, it's crazy because you assumed when uh, Nurkic and CJ went down that Dane would have to go into God mode for us to win games. I don't really think that he's gone into like Super Saiyan God mode once where he scored. Remember last year when he had to score 60 for us to beat the Warriors without Stephen Curry? Dude, he scored 63 times last year. And one of those performances came in a loss because our team was that bad. Yeah, he, had, no. he, he didn't. He doesn't need to hit that ceiling for us to win games. There is that other level that he can go but he doesn't need to go because we are a much improved team now than we were last year. Well, I hope he, you know, is able to save some of that energy so we can maybe go postseason, you know, even deeper into the playoffs or maybe a late season game that gets us home court advantage. Like I I love Dame, but we don't, yeah, you're right. We don't need him to do that right now because he'll run out of gas. And he's even said that himself, like last year, like they had to, Play their they had to go. They it, had to kick early and often. For- they, yep, they they were like a sprint uh, marathon runner, and at the end, they didn't have that kick to, to to finish. And he talked about that in the Western Conference Finals. Like they they never played that deep in the postseason before. You can be the best trained athlete in the world, but you're not prepared for that mentally. And then you got the physic the physicality that's going to kick your ass too. So hopefully, you know, Dame is able to get CJ and Nurk back relatively soon. And, you know, still keep up his averages. Like I'm, I'm loving the 30.8 assist averages. And I think if he does that and the team continues to win, like he could legitimately win the MVP. Like I don't Clyde Drexler in 92 is probably the last blazer at the all-star break that you can say, yeah, he might win the MVP. Mm. Um, it, it's been that long. And I, I know, you know, Embiid is a favorite right now. You've also got Jokic putting up ridiculous numbers. You can never count out LeBron. Um, but but I think right now, Dame is solidly in the top five. And yeah, the more, I would say top four. Exactly. And he's got the narrative. And I was thinking about this overall star break. Like, what really goes into MVP voting? You know, if, if you think about it, it's rarely ever the best player. I mean, what's what's the fun in that? Like everyone knows LeBron James is the best player. The most fun story is the thing that wins the MVP. Yeah, there's just I think there's a formula to it, and I think winning is about fifty percent of the formula. You have to win. It, it's so hard to win MVP if you're not on a dominant team or a team that's you know second or third. Like you can you can tell that. You can sell that. Um, I think statistics are a huge part of it too. Maybe 20 to 25%. We saw Russell Westbrook win MVP based upon his statistics alone. He didn't have the wins, but he had the historical statistics of averaging a triple double. And it also carried over to the narrative. And the narrative is 
well, Russ did this without Kevin Durant. Well, the narrative now for Dame is he is the most clutch player in the league. And he, oh yeah, he is winning without in spite Dame. Of injuries. Yeah, in spite of injuries. And then the last little 5% or so, you got to have those memorable moments. And Dame has done that. We, we saw what he did against Chicago. That that performance, the, the game-winning three and the game-taking ta- game charge on national television. We saw the all-star performance where he scored 11 straight points to close out that game for Team LeBron, including uh, just launching from half court twice in the game and connecting. Yeah, he, he's he's starting to add up all of that that formula that, that puts it all together. And I think the last part of it, Sage, is winning. Like fifth is a little bit impressive, but like this is a heavily contested MVP race. Nobody is going to run away with it. So if the Blazers can make that push i know i've said it's going to be difficult with all of the the games condensed into so much you know so few days but if they can you know surpass the lakers or the clippers or phoenix in, in the in the west and really look good doing it that's it's just so much easier to sell that as this is the league mvp there are no holes in this vote well you, you you've you've had experience with working on the Blazers' social side. The Blazers' social side has to help spin the narrative of, you know, he is winning. we are winning in spite of the injuries, in spite of a COVID-era season. He has carried his team and is doing it with the smile and grace and just this nonstop quit about him. So... We, we as fans and we as the social, like, as as broadcasters need to help spin that yarn. Like, this is what he's doing. What kind of worries me is now LeBron has that same narrative. Because of Anthony Davis's Achilles tendinosis, now LeBron can also claim this. He's winning in spite of Anthony Davis being out. Dame's done it is doing it first. And if we can overtake the Lakers, that just even makes that story so much better. But uh, yeah, like he, he's been, he's been incredible. And like, no, uh, he hasn't had to reach that ceiling, which is so awesome. Cause I remember being a fan last year and being like, Oh God, he, we have to, he has to hit 55 for us to even have a chance. Now he's, he can, he can get hit 30 or 25 and we have a fighting chance. And that is really awesome. I, I th- that, that, that Charlotte game was really impressive to me because of how they play defense and how weird it is where they just collapse. He was able to pick out his teammates and they were able to be the stars. He is not, he's not one of those guys that needs to be the star and all be all he can stand to the side and let, Robert Covington, for instance, shine that game. And that's that's that shows his amazing leadership. We'll get back to Dame in a bit. But Sage, I, I think this week was just vintage Carmelo Anthony. And he was a huge reason why the Blazers also went 3-0. and I mean, he mans that second unit. He really keeps us afloat while Dame gets his rest. You're able to slow the game down a bit, dump him the ball. He's a great outlet if you need a catch-and-shoot shooter. And I think he got back into his rhythm. It was a lot less isolation uh, in terms of the amount of time he had with the ball. He was making quick decisions. He was pulling up for threes. He was absolutely lethal this week. Uh, 29 points and five steals. He shot over 50% 
uh, from the field in that victory over Charlotte. He backs that up against the Golden State Warriors, uh, 22 points on 8 of 13 shooting. And then he capped off the week against the Sacramento Kings, 16 points against 6 of 11 from the field. When you get damn near 20 points in a three on average on the three-game stretch from Melo, that's fantastic. You get that on over 50% efficiency, and you're paying him minimum salary? No team is getting that type of production from that that. It's got to be a first round pick, man. Like, like it has to be a a low first round pick for that value to be as equal to what uh, Melo provides us on a on a on a given night. This is why we we signed Melo. This is what we envisioned. This is what everybody envisioned. Is okay. You you take the burden off of Dame a bit, especially without CJ. That we can depend on you to go get buckets. That's what you do best. And just to see him have fun. He's out there smiling, and the three-point shot just looks so good. And that's that's what we we talked about last last episode. Two of the two of the three games, he did not attempt a three. He got back to his mellow roots in Portland and was just lethal from downtown. I mean, he had so many big buckets, especially against the Golden State Warriors, um, to keep us afloat. Like like I said, they took Dame out of the game for the most part for forty-six minutes of, of the night. Guys like Carmelo Anthony were were keeping us afloat, and it's just didn't Ennis in, have a in, big in, game, or was that the Kings game? That was the Kings game. Ennis was an absolute monster, twenty two and twenty one against the Kings. Yeah, I uh, I bet the over on the rebounds and uh, points on a player prop, and I was feeling real good about my decision. But I, I think that Melo people have strong opinions of him but you got to take that good with the bad and realize what he's providing in terms of value is just immensely important to how our team construction is like without CJ and without Nurkic he kind of is that release valve for Anthony Simons so you got to take the good with the bad with uh Carmelo Anthony and if his name wasn't Carmelo we'd be psyched that some minimum contract player is putting up these stats or has the ability to put up those stats. Like the potential of Mello getting hot against you is frightening because he can change the game with, you know, like two made shots in a row. He's feeling himself and is hot. So it, 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 what he does is quite terrifying for an opposing team. If he gets into one of his moods where he can't miss Melo's produced Ennis in two of those three games looked really good. It, it, I think that Robert Covington is showing his value, especially since Harry Giles is gone. If you looked, his production has gone up with Giles gone because he has to play the small ball five, or you, we can argue that Melo or he is playing that small ball five, but he, he's putting up a lot of numbers in terms of rebounds, stats, like the, he got that record for blocks the Charlotte game, he was damn near perfect for a half. Like, don't don't give him the ball in the last thirty seconds of a game, but for for, <laughs> yeah. for forty six minutes, he's he's a very solid player. I felt so bad when he got the ball. I was like, ah, oh, anybody but you there, right there. I, I like see what's what's funny is there was a game, and it was a nationally televised game. He won us the Sixers game with a last second heroic play. It oh. might have been the Sixers game, but he caught the look like he was just going to dribble into the backcourt and get a backcourt violation. It was right towards the end, and people were like, 
was was Robo just going to do that? He didn't do it, but it looked like he was like about to do it. And then against the Sacramento Kings, he gets the ball near half court, thinks it gets fouled and goes into the backcourt and gives up possession. And that was the night after missing two clutch free throws against yeah. the Warriors, which gave them a shot to win with a, I believe it was a Damian Lee half court yeah, three. He, he chucked it. So not not the best player to have um, the ball in his hands, but like you said, the other forty six minutes he was marvelous. Um, it you was know, really there's funny. There's some players that don't do well in that situation. Lucky for us, just, we have a guy that is exceedingly competent at uh, the late game situations. I think that he deserves to be on the court for defense, but maybe not. He probably shouldn't be the release valve on a free uh, on that uh, pass and off the out of bounds play. Maybe it should be Gary. Trent, because I think he would feed and be really happy with those moments. I mean, it, it's a learning experience. You don't maybe maybe not put him in that pressure situation, but defensively put him in that shit all the all you want because my man's money in those situations. It was just funny that we had a lengthy topic about Covington and needing to step up, and then the Charlotte game, twenty one points. Oh, I've gotten like a lot of uh, DMs about that. Uh, just 10 rebounds, you know. two steals, two blocks. And it was like, thank you. This is what we need. Like, I don't expect you to be perfect. Your defense has always been great, but you're taking shots in rhythm. You're not hesitating. You're not pulling up from 40 feet. Like this is, I was, I was texting that. I was like, this is what we need from Cove. Like we gave up two first round picks and our only tradable contract. You got to deliver on both ends. And he did. He played fantastic the entire week. But if Portland is really going to be a threat in the Western Conference, everything's got to come together. It can't just be Dame. It can't just be Dame and CJ. It can't just be Dame, CJ, and Mello, and a little bit of Trent here, and maybe a little, maybe a little Ennis here. Everybody has – if you're playing a nine-man rotation, at least eight of those nine dudes have got to come correct every night. And that's a high standard to play. But if you're going to try and do it, yeah, and if you're going to try and do it team basketball way, like the 04 Pistons, maybe the, the 2014 Spurs, it means everybody's got to pull a, a, a larger load. You can't just say, okay, we got two guys. We're just going to you know, ride them. We only got one of those dudes, you know? So everyone else has to do their part. And it was just really nice to see Robert break out. He's kind of had up and down season on the offensive end. You know, defensively, I do think he is getting better and better and better. But what's really going to add value is we discussed this. Teams are going to take Dame out of the game. We already saw Golden State do it in in a what game thirty three of the regular season, game thirty four. What's going to happen come playoff time? Like we're, we we got to get ready for this because teams are they they know Dame is one of the best players in the league. They're going to take their chances on on Gary or Carmelo or or Rocco or DJ. They they got to be there for Dame. Dame's there for everyone else. So it was just really nice to see that come together. It was kind of nice to see us win that way against Golden State, where it was like, okay, Dame, they're taking him out. We're we're winning sustainably. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I, that I think was that's really the good thing for the whole year, though. We've been winning sustainably because I think every time Dame has to go Super Saiyan, it's like, well, that might be a little less effort that we can play in the playoffs when shit matters. So. The, the team stepping up more so than they did last year is huge. What also helps when your big free agent acquisitions aren't out of the league the next year. So uh, 
Neil O'Shea had to have a big offseason. It, it, it shows that we have depth, though, because, again, if we're comparing last year to this, if we had to play our backup center the line share of the minutes, we would be talking about Anthony Edwards and how dope he is. If if, if we were rocking Anthony Tolliver or who who was uh, Wenyan Gabriel, 35 Mo- minutes? Moses Brown. Like, go oh, – it, it was rough out there. So Neil needed that dub. Neil needed the dub really bad. God damn. That, that, that was, I was very happy with our wins because Dame could just play Dame. He could just be the point guard. He doesn't have to be the superhero. Can we talk about Nasir Little and Dame actually throwing a lob? That, that shit was beautiful. That was, that, that was so beautiful. Oh, God. He moves without the ball. He didn't have the best games against the Kings of the Warriors, but he shows me so much every time he's out there. But that game against the Hornets was just a just a classic case of why I think he could be the starting three next year. He gives you energy. He gives you defensive intensity. He moves without the ball. Uh, you can. He's athletic as hell. He's strong as hell. I mean, he can finish through contact. And then when he's starting, just like to pull. From, from downtown like that, like it doesn't look like somebody's getting hot. It looks like, oh, he's a shooter. Like you watch his follow through, you watch his form. He's put in the work. And I'm just so impressed at how far he has come from his rookie year. He's overcome all of the setbacks. And I think you're starting to see him getting rewarded. Like he's now coming Seven in with Mello off the bench. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful to see. Like that's what we have been just like, yearning for and yelling at yelling from the mountaintops like give Nasir a chance um because real I mean really if 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 by anything alone just the movement without the ball like him and Derek Jones are really the only two that do it and so there was a play and it was either against the Warriors or the Kings I think it was Golden State so in the second half of the game Carmelo had the ball Dame was out and he was isoing he was posting up oh and he cut and, yeah, the um, team didn't know whether they wanted to double or not. So mm-hmm. Nasir cut through the middle. It opened it up, and our shooter moved over to that spot vacated in, in the short corner. Mello hit him for a wide-open three, and it's like, thank you. Like, that that's smart basketball, but I don't think all of our players would have made that move. Like, Nasir, he, he has a really high basketball IQ, and I think the we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg with him. I, I, I hate to bring this up but i did see that question um about when cj comes back who's gonna take the biggest haircut i think it's sincere little to be honest i disagree i really? disagree wholeheartedly who, yes. besides rodney hood who probably should take the biggest you think he's in a, that stots would sacrifice uh derrick jones or mellow or uh whatever wing you think Nasir wouldn't well, first, be first? first of all we, we got to get to the question sage you can't just well introduce yeah. it one second well, i will okay. so our guy uh bob uh underscore digar wanted to know between rodney and anthony whose minutes do you anticipate being reduced the most once cj is back i think that it's rodney hood and uh nasir see if i'm talking if i'm thinking pecking order i think um, in terms of most likely get their minutes cut, Anthony is number one, Rodney's number two, Nasir is number three. 
And my reasoning for that is we're already seeing Rodney is this, get more Is this Dustin Hawes' idea or is this Terry Stotts? This is just I'm talking as what I think should happen. And okay. what I'm seeing, my, my reasoning is based off of what I'm seeing from Terry as well. So it's a little bit of both. Because we're already seeing Rodney come in before Ant. Ant is really only getting minutes when, when Dame is on the bench. When Ant is in the game, Rodney is leading the offense. He is our de facto backup point guard. So if you're saying when CJ gets back, well, there's your de facto backup point guard. There's your other creator. I think Nasir Little gives you something that those other two players don't, um, whether that's strength, um, movement without the basketball. Um, he doesn't have the experience that Rodney does, but I think defensively they're, they're both pretty good. Um, Amperny just doesn't check off many of those boxes. I think Amperny is still pretty raw. Um, we're seeing growth, but if you're talking about impact on the game, I think you're going to get more from Nasir or Rodney. And if you're talking about CJ coming back, CJ obviously exceeds, but replicates more of what Rodney does than he replicates more of what Nasir does. And so I think you just, you we're, we're really starting to see just what Nasir can accomplish. And I think it's only going to get better when you get more creators on the floor with him. I mean, think of, you know, you have Dame, CJ, Rocco, and Nurkin. What if Nasir's in there as the starting three or just in the lineup as the three there? That's a lot of eyes on two to three other players. And Nasir's going to be able to kind of cut back door. You know, he's going to kind of play off the ball, catch those threes. I, I just... I think he is finally being rewarded with his minutes. I've been very impressed that Terry has been playing him sixth, seventh man minutes um, coming in with Carmelo. I just think he's smart. Um, that, 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 that's why. If it's just between Rodney and Ant, I definitely think Ant's going to get his minutes cut. Um, I think we talked about last week's episode, you know, kind of wanting to, to have our cake and eat it too. I, I think we're going to try and go more. We need to win now. Uh, it's it, time's ticking. You know, Dame time's ticking. Like we need to win. I think Rodney gives you the better chance. Um, just the like, if you think about it in just one play, we talked about it. Rodney locking down Steph just that one time, which is all it took. Ant can't do that right now. He's not strong enough. He he doesn't have the instincts. He he's just a ways away. Hoodie can at least give you that. He can handle the ball. He can set up an offense. He can post up his defender. Right now, I mean, we're still waiting. We're still waiting for Ant to take that next step. Like we've been talking about, hey, can you can you please drive to the basket? You know, I think he had a, a back a bucket in the paint this this week, and it was the second he's had in nine games. I mean, Kenny Smith was even talking about it. Maybe he listens to the podcast. He won the dunk contest. Maybe he just watches someone that athletic that can doesn't drive to the. But what I will yeah. say is I, I I agree with a lot of your points. But it isn't your decision. It isn't my decision. It's Terry Stotts' decision. I bet he goes with the veteran getting more minutes. And then I, I think Nasir might. Nasir's the seventh man, but he doesn't play seventh man minutes. There's some games where he just gets taken out magically and does not reappear. So I, I think that, yes, he is off the bench second. But he is not, I don't think in Terry Stotts' mind, he's our seventh man. So I, I think when I when I think of Terry Stotts, I think of okay, what have these players done for me? And 
who are vets that I can play. And I, I think that Nasir probably will be the one most negatively affected. And I think that Anthony has a, they're still trying to work out if he's a creator or not. So I think he'd get more of a chance than Nasir to start. And if, if Ant doesn't succeed, then I think Nasir would get the, that next, that next shot at it. But I mean, Anthony only averaged 11 minutes over these three games. But we can, I, I can find, but at the same time, but neither of those right guys now, is... But we're talking right now, though, because CJ could be coming back as soon as Thursday. So it's not like we're saying Anthony averaged 11 minutes during a stretch during December, and that could possibly happen again. Talking about what happened going into the All-Star break. Like, I, I think Nasir is finally earning minutes. Now, Rodney and Nasir, I could give you. I could see that going either way. My heart says Nasir should get the minutes. My head says Terry's going to give Rodney those minutes. I think that is a legit toss-up. But I, I just, I mean, I could be completely wrong. I, I think Anthony's already getting trimmed out of the rotation. And I think once CJ gets back, like, he might get spot minutes. But that that's just my take. I mean, we have wings. We don't have guards. So if we... If we need a secondary ball handler, it's going to be Anthony as opposed to uh, Nasir. And Ant's been in the system for another year than Ant, uh, than uh, Nasir. So I, if, if it was me, I would, probably wouldn't play Rodney Hood. But since I'm trying to play project, Rodney over Anthony, I, I wouldn't just because you I'm don't know. Anthony. You don't know where Rodney Hood's going to be in a year. I know Anthony Simon's going to be on the Blazers. So it's not about a year though. It's about winning now. That's that's my point. But we we're, we're talking about a few positive plays by Rodney Hood. It's not it's not a lot of positive plays throughout the game. Honestly, like the level of what they're producing, I would I would take my shot with Anthony just because he's he needs that development and I know we need to win games, but we're we're talking about singular good plays by Rodney Hood and not consecutive. So it's kind well, of let's like, talk about Rodney Hood put up twenty five points against the Spurs. What has Anthony? But that ever, was a ceiling ass game. That was a ceiling ass game that surprised the shit out of all of us. But he's done it this year. I mean, what about the games where Anthony Simons never fucking missed? Both of them I have don't... that. Both of them have a ceiling. Both of them absolutely have a ceiling. They do, but when push comes to shove and it gets crunch time, Hoodie's shown me before that he can handle that. But I don't think in crunch time, either of them are going to be on the court. Well, I mean, with this team, you never know with injuries or, I mean, we might not have CJ back for another week. Been in a finishing five before. He has. Uh, It's obviously a discussion point, so. Yes. I don't hate Ant either. I know it comes across that way. I just need to see more from him. I mean, all I see right now from Anthony Simons is a small two guard who has one move on offense. That is a, I'm going to get a pick and I'm going to pop from a three. That's, but that's all that's what, what he is, has what in is, his bag. What does Rodney Hood really do in those situations? He, he can th- catch they, they, they from don't three. attack the paint the, the same. He can catch it. Anthony doesn't attack the paint at all, Sage. Come on. I know two. neither of them do. Neither of them do. So it's not like, it's not like one's, so much better than the other. We're thinking Hoodie's a lot a, about a better defender. Hoodie's a better rebounder. 
Euclides, I would say, more reliable from the catch and shoot from three. I think Anthony's probably better on the pull up from three. Anthony's more athletic. Hoodie's got better athletic or uh, more experience. I think there's a reason that Hoodie was in the game closing out against the Warriors and Ant wasn't. Like, I don't think that was but by. We needed, we needed that type of skill set. You needed a defender to play alongside Dame. That, that's what it was. That, that's just why I think he's going to get. Because when CJ gets back, you know, CJ replicates a little bit what Dame does too. I just I, I don't see the role for Ant. He has not become the point guard. We need a point guard. I mean, we've talked God. We talked about this for for ages. We need a point guard. Like we don't need another two guard. We already have CJ. We have Hood. We have Trent. Like we've we've been there. So I I, I don't see the role for Ant anymore. I, I think he had his chance. He still may get it, Sage. You may be completely right, and he may prove me wrong, and he may come up clutch running the offense but just from what i saw recently is okay terry's trusting rodney more with running the offense they, they like ant more off ball which we said he's more of a of an off ball player but okay, somebody's but what, minutes what about the somebody's the, minutes are gonna have to get cut like we're, we talk about this all the time there's gonna have to be uncomfortable decisions maybe they both get their minutes cut i, I think I, don't know. I think it's a possibility that everybody's minutes get cut because you have to you have to factor in 36 plus minutes and where do you take it out of? It's all of those. It's every player that's listed plus Nasir. And, uh, but I, you know, if I was part of the Portland trailblazers brain trust and I had sway over some of the decision makings, I, I would be telling Terry, yo, hoodie's awesome. And I thank him for what he's done for this team. But we really need to get, Ant those minutes. So if 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 that's what my thought process is, and I'm assuming someone else who actually actually can talk to Terry would be like, you kind of you gotta just we kind of just have to sacrifice for just to see what we got because Rodney might not be on Haven't the team. Haven't we been doing that for three years though? Not ri- like I feel like he got a lot of time last year. Well, like we kind of needed him to. But and then he got cut out of the rotation once we went to the bubble. But the bubbles that that that's just special. That the bubble was special for what happened. But we're still talking. I mean, we're okay. Let's say the Blazers are neck and neck for home court advantage. Eight games left in the season. That's that's going to be a de facto bubble. You're going to see those rotations tightened up. We all three of those guys may be out of the rotation. Yeah. But but, I, but what I'm saying is like I I don't the reason I'm so passionate about this is because there's, it's, it's not no time to develop a player. Like either you can produce and you're going to get better, which is yes, it's development, but you're at least producing. We, we, we just don't have the luxury to say, and go out there, you know, play your 20. If you do good, great. If you don't do good, oh, it's all right. We'll get him again next time. We just don't have that. Like we, if it comes down to it, we need to find say you have talked about this. We need a Austin Rivers type of point guard. Like we need somebody to come in here and, and stabilize an offense. Like the reason we went through the four game losing streak was because nobody helped Dame. This is not just Ant. Nobody what was helping Dame. And then all of a sudden you start getting some help. We start winning games. So I'm just in like full like win now, 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 win yesterday mode. Like I'm not even, I'm in like, we should have been doing this yesterday. And I think, I hope Ant proves me wrong. 
but just from what I've seen in, in three seasons, uh, the development's just taking, you know, I'm a pretty patient person by nature, starting to get a little <laughs> impatient. That, that's just, I have nothing against, I love the kid, rooted for him, have his poster print autographed it in my blazer room, want to see him succeed. But if I'm looking at this as Dustin, 30 plus year blazer fan, wants to see a championship more than anything, some uncomfortable decisions are going to have to be made. And so I don't want to, you know, this year is important, but I know what Rodney Hood has given me. And Anthony might have hidden potential. I'm, I'm, if they're going to produce basically the same, I'm going with the younger guy that could get me something. And no disrespect to Rodney Hood because I was a huge, I'm, I am a fan of him, but fighting for our points. I honestly don't think that those two production-wise are that different. So I would give it to the younger guy that could develop into something. But that that that's my strategy versus your strategy. Give it give it to the player who can play some defense. I'd give it to the player that can be some sort of disruptor offensively. It, it is yeah. what it is. I think when CJ comes back, everybody takes a haircut. But I think Nasir and well, Ant and Hood will. Yeah, you, you can you can argue about uh, Rodney and Ant. I'm sticking with Nasir's the one that's going to get those minutes. So, uh, so thank you, Bob, for that that question. Uh, we we have another question from uh, Team Mom. She wants to know something we kind of talked about earlier, but wants to know in the last month or so, I have got the feeling that Dame wasn't having to do everything. Like he still finished off games, but role players like Cantor, Mello, and Covington were able to help out enough to keep them in there. Did you get that feeling? Yes. I mean, yeah. Like we we used the example of last year to this year. Of course, he does. He, he hasn't had a ceiling game. He hasn't had one of those nuclear games yet this year. Trust me, I know. I've I've had him in daily fantasy every game, every day about twenty percent just for that that chance of sixty five points, nine assists. 100 daily fantasy points. He doesn't need to do it because we're more talented and have have actual NBA players. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Team Mom. I would say it hasn't been like last year, but I definitely still think that the team revolves around Dame. And he's like, I, I don't think just because he hasn't had that 50 games, 50 point stretch or 40 point stretch that he had last year, that he's still not carrying the team. Um, oh yeah, he he carries the his, team every game. It's just not his that stats extent. are unreal. I mean, you're getting like 30 and eight off a of volume, efficient three point shooting. Um, he's doing that while also being a great leader, a great teammate. Um, seeing uh, the team's defense, uh, just different defenses, um, swarming defenses on a nightly basis. Like it hasn't been as much. I, what I would say is our role players, and I don't mean this as a slight our role players just aren't as terrible as they were last year. So it's not as noticeable, like watching them last year, like the gap between Dame and like Mario Hazonia is like, Jesus Christ. Are we, are, are we in the same league? Um, you know, like you mentioned it, we were playing Moses Brown, Wenyan Gabriel. I mean, love you, Wenyan, but, but still Wenyan Gabriel, Jalen Horde, Anthony Tolliver. We signed Paul Gasol. Like th- there was just nobody there. Now we actually like, Oh shit. Robert Covington. Yeah. He did three deep. Yeah, DJ, you can you can dunk, uh, you can handle the basketball a bit. And Mello obviously is just like a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, 
I think there's a combination of our role players being actually good. I mean, I, I said this before on the podcast, I actually, I love our roster, but also it's just kind of going through that nightmare of a season that we did last year with that roster. It's like, Oh God, this is so much better. So I think it's a little bit of both, but yes, I mean, I, yeah, they, they I was carrying well. everything. Dame is yeah, the linchpin for everything. It's just that he has more help now. So it's not, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to strain his back every single game to carry us to a record where we can make the playoffs. Now he he's still carrying us. It's just not to the extent or the level that he was a year ago. So I think the the role players and the, the consistency of a bunch of them or the step up of Ennis Cantor, like they're making life easier for him and they are producing. So it's a, it's a mix of both. I think that, yeah, he, he obviously, like if he doesn't have a good game, we probably don't win, but he doesn't have to be awesome. Like he doesn't have to be next level point God for us to win. So, I mean, there, there's levels to it. Yeah. It's an improvement from last year. Oh, absolutely. We're, we have competency. And that competency outside of, you know, the, the the dribble penetration, but we have competent players that deserve to be in the league. Like last year, there's quite a few players that aren't in the league now. So, And if, the, if our bench leaves us now, they're going to find roles on other teams. Easy. So the All-Star game was last night. Uh, did you watch the whole thing, Sage? Yeah, I did. Well, doggy, I have top shot. I have a bunch of players, <laughs> and I have a bunch of th- those bunch of those players are all my top shot moments. So I absolutely watched just in case, like Jalen Brown happened to score twenty points in an All Star game, and I happen to be the proud owner of a moment card. And if you want a moment card from me, let me know; I'll sell it to you. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I-, I watched every second of the game. What were what was most enjoyable to you? Like what, what, what stood out? I mean, the excellent play from everybody, the spacing, the, it was an enjoyable experience. It was an all-star game and I didn't watch last year's because Dame wasn't in it. So I didn't feel the need to like watch it and indulge in it because it was like, Oh my God, it's not in there. I don't, I don't need to do this and I could use a break from, from basketball. But since Dame's in it, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see what this point thing is about. So no, it was fun. Like Dame hitting launching threes and Seth launching threes was really enjoyable. The dunks, seeing Zion play, and you know people respecting him. It was it was a fun experience. I liked I liked everything, and you know the proud that Anthony won the dunk contest. I happen to have a Steph moment, and that might help me out. And uh, Demon- I have a Demonis bonus, so that him winning the skills challenge also might help me out. So. It, it was it was a fun experience and I enjoyed uh, everything. It was nothing was like nothing was a whack. I gotta say, LeBron might have a future as a GM. He he knows. I mean, he's his intelligence is just through the roof. Like he just knows what players are going to play well. It was so fun to watch that three guard lineup of Chris Paul. Steph Curry and Dame Lillard. Mm. Paul was the perfect point guard to be out there because I mean he's just like the ultimate distributor. Past Magic Johnson on the all-time assist leaders in the All-Star games. He had 16 of them. There was a sequence where it was a close game. And then I think Steph hit 
Dame hit. They threw a lob to Dame. Then they threw a lob to Steph. Then they threw a lob to Chris. Chris. And then Dame hit from half court. Then Steph hit from half court. And it was like a 30-point game. And it was just that three-guard lineup was so fun to watch. Um, That's what I'll remember um, a lot. It was just like Dame was out there. I love the fact that he only had to play 21 minutes and he shot mostly from beyond the arc, set a Blazer all-star record for 32 points, went eight of 16 from downtown. And even in an all-star game, even when there was no concept of time, it was still Dame time. They had to get to 170. That was the magic Elam ending. The last 11 points went to our man, Damian Lillard, and he just there was three points left and I knew Steph wasn't going to pass the game. Like, I, of course, you know, he's going to try and win the game. He kind of launched a running uh, logo three, didn't go in. And then we got the rebound and I see Dame. I was like, yep. I mean, Steph's already doing the, the wave bye-bye as he, as he's walking the ball up the floor and he just pulls. And I, I screamed, Olga's like, God damn it, Dustin, you scared me. I'm like, I'm sorry. He just pulled from half court to in the all-star game. Like, that is like the best moment that I will remember probably for any all-star game, like my favorite player ending the game in his fashion, in his way, looks right at the camera, you know, points to the wrist and he's like, yeah, I know, I know I'm that good. It was just. Did you watch the draft? Yeah. So my question is, did Katie draft Kyrie Irving with his first pick? Yes. So th- I think that right there was why Team LeBron was so goddamn stacked. He had to he had to be cool to his boy and pick him first. So LeBron got and no, to have no Giannis and to, Steph. to Kyrie, but Kyrie was probably the worst of the starters. Well, yeah, but it, KD had to draft his guy. Of course he did. Course yeah, he so did. you take advantage of what your you, what the responsibility your teammate has, the opposing teammate has to do. So you get to have Giannis and Steph while while uh uh KD drafts Kyrie first. I mean, yeah, that that he took advantage of the situation and good job to LeBron. That's what that good was, GMs do. Yeah, but I mean but yeah. I, I I if the Olympics do happen, I would be really excited because watching Dame and Steph together. Like we've never seen that. We've never seen that. Yes. It was amazing basketball. And I think for at least a night, there was no Dame's better. No, no, Steph's better. And it's just like there was, if you want to find it, you can find it. But I didn't I didn't see a lot of it. And normally I see it constantly. Yes, I'm a I'm a Dame better player. Of course. He's he's my guy. But, like, to have them on the same team, feeding off of one another, you can tell they genuinely like each other. There's no mm-hmm. beef there. The, I, I think they both it. respect each other's, like, abilities as a long – like Yes, a, they, they both know they are one of two. I would have to see Paul and those two run in the Olympics yeah. together. They're the only two players that can do what they do. And I think Dame, if you're talking long range, is – exactly. Like, they both know that, okay, we're, 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 we are lethal. And they do it in different ways. Steph's more flamboyant. Dame's, Dame's more of that, you know, cold-blooded, cold-blooded assassin. He's going to do it to you. He's going to do it to you with a straight face. And you're going to be like, is this guy a serial killer? Or is he, is he just wired different? I mean, he just, 
gets in there and nothing phases him and steps out there dancing on you while he gives you, you know, 30 on 60% shooting from three, like either way, it's both demoralizing, but to have that on the same team, if we do get a chance to watch that this summer in Tokyo, um, I don't think I would, that would be the most hyped I'd be for an Olympic since the 92 dream team, like straight up. I mean, it could be such a fun brand of basketball. Yeah, just give me those two guys. You can fill out the rest of the lineup with like whatever you want. But like you really get an appreciation like watching greatness. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, to know that and Dame had, had mentioned this before, like his first all-star game, he just kind of goes there to, to fit in, you know, soak up the experience. And you know, you're just you're kind of there. You're you're an all-star, but you're not one of the stars in our guy on the biggest stage was a, the star of stars. Like he could have easily been the MVP had the votes been cast after the game. I mean, he was that good Sage. And it just, it kind of puts it into perspective. Like hey, this guy's really fucking good. He's not just good for Portland. He's not just, you know, good for, you know, a point guard. He's, he's legit one of the five best players in the world right now. And I, I don't think many people could argue that. So it was just beautiful to see him put on for the city, the franchise, the fans, like he always does. Like he is, he just, like if you could craft like the best franchise player to represent your team, like it, it's him, it's it's Damian Lillard. I'd be very excited for um watching an extended amount of minutes with Dame and Steph on the floor at the same time. I think we could make LeBron's life so much easier to have <clears throat> Dame and Steph just at the hashes, just ready for that pass. It could be such a crazy experimental basketball or Giannis. Like, just think about Dame. Well, Giannis Steph, is Giannis. Oh, shit. You know, sometimes Greek, you forget where Greece. they're from. But or Dame, Steph, LeBron, uh, Katie, and whoever wants to play center and can play center like that. That that would be some like next level basketball. What did you think of the dunk contest? It Fine. was con- very condensed and compact, as they did it during halftime of the All Star game. <clears throat> it didn't get me hyped like the Vince Carter one or the Aaron Gordon uh, Zach Levine. But it was better than some of the ones that like was basically just a high jumping contest to the rim where it was just like, <clears throat> I'm gonna jump over five people. Well, I'm gonna jump over six. So it was it was enjoyable. And the fact that we had a guy that I watch every single game, like yeah, I fuck with I fucked with it. But it wasn't. It, I don't think it, I would not say it was a special dunk contest in my life, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, it was cool that the Blazer finally won the dunk contest for the first time. It was cool that there was maybe only one or two missed dunks. I was like impressed with that. Like usually you see guys miss seven, eight attempts and it, the thing just Shout drags bird, on. Man. Just yeah, just drags on forever. Um, but yeah, it, it's a dunk contest. Half of the fun is watching the crowd, crowd and how they yeah. feed off of the dunker. Mm-hmm. So hopefully next year Ant will be able to defend his title. Um, and hopefully he's more confident. Like, I still think he could have played a little bit more. Like, he could have got a little bit more hype after some of the dunks. Like, I didn't really know what he did until, like, I saw the – I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But by the time 
your initial emotion is worn off by the dunk. So just like maybe just get a little more ferocity with it or just like some showmanship. I mean, that's what the dunk contest is about. What I would say is his hops are undeniable. What I wanted to see is there was a photo the Blazers tweeted out where it's, it's basically like him jumping from the free throw line. He's like hanging in the air. His legs are kind of cradled up and he's got to throw down a windmill jam. I would have loved to see him kind of, I know we paid homage to Tracy McGrady, but like Jordan in the eighties when he would just like contort his body and he looked like he was literally just like gliding. I don't think Ant was alive though. I mean, there's YouTube Sage. Everyone knows what YouTube is, but you know, like those are the, I, think, I think for, for his dunking style and how he has the hang time, he could have really, I think, captivated the audience and just like, oh my, this, it just a moment in time where he's just like in air and then he comes down and, and finishes the dunk. Like hopefully he does it next year because, and they give him more opportunities because man, he can really fly. And I, those are just selfishly, those are my favorite dunks or like when you just see somebody, it looks like they're just like suspended in air. Like that's just so jaw dropping to me. You know, he paid homage to who, like, probably his favorite player. I can't, I can't you know, it's his favorite. I'm not going to ever tell somebody your favorite player is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying his favorite player is wrong. He did his thing. He did his thing. And he won. Like, or he has to him. put on Jordan's jersey. I was saying more than uh, draw inspiration from the type of dunks that, that Jordan did. That's what I would like to see. Because he can do it. Yeah. I, I thought that three-point shootout was pretty entertaining. I was driving, so I did not miss. I, I missed well, a lot. Steph Curry also, did his thing. Once but... Dame withdrew from it, I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll pass." Well, <clears throat> you know, as a, as the best top shotter in this Zoom call, <laughs> disagree, disagree. In this Zoom call, my collection's far better than yours today. You spent more money, barely. <laughs> It's true. I, 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 but I've also made more money than you too. So, so we're having the Aunt Rodney debate all over again, just with Top Shot. <laughs> you know, I, I've looked at what where you are in the market, and it says bottom, uh, bottom percentile, and I'm in the top percentile. So mathematically, Whoa, who who sold the last moment? Who actually paid for their pack? You <clears throat> didn't, didn't sell your last moment. Well, let's see if I get an email that proves you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't have a have a new uh, uh, amount in my portfolio. But I did buy Jason Tatum for twenty five bucks. All right, Sage. Before we talk about the second half of the season, I wanted to ask your thoughts on buyout candidates. The Blazers clearly do not want to go into the luxury tax as it would make them a repeater. I think they want to spend the money next year as well and have a the full mid-level to mm-hmm. use. But uh, Neil O'Shea purposely has left a roster spot open. We've seen Blake Griffin get scooped up by the Nets. We've seen Demarcus Cousins is on the market. We've seen rumors of Otto Porter Jr. or Andre Drummond getting bought out. I'm not saying any of those players specifically for Portland and we were going to discuss Blake Griffin, but he got picked up by the nets before um, we recorded. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a moot point and didn't want to waste all of your time and wh- why we thought it would or wouldn't work. 
just in general, we've seen Portland be the beneficiary of a buyout in 2019, getting Ennis Cantor from the, the Knicks and really saved, saved us as he led us, you know, one of the reasons he led us to the, the Western Conference Finals. For this roster, if we don't make any trades, you get this roster and this roster alone. A, are you looking to be a player in the buyout market? And if so, B, what type of player do you think can actually make an impact? Okay, we just had that long discussion um, about Anthony versus uh, Rodney Hood. A player that I could see being a buyout candidate is George Hill from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I would love to take a shot on George Hill and have him be the backup point guard. And I'm willing to admit that that entire conversation that you and I had 20 minutes ago is a moot point if we got George, but that would be the one of the few buyout candidates because I think Oklahoma City doesn't want him. Like, he doesn't want to be in a rebuilding project. And if they that? bought him out, I think that he would be a really nice candidate in Portland. So you're saying really a true backup point guard is probably the the most the, the most likely to have an impact for a buyout candidate. Yeah, like I, I you know I love Otto Porter, but a real backup point guard would have a bigger role here. Like who are the top 5 buyout guys? Like Otto, Andre, Tony Snell and George Hill? Who who else is there that's a potential buyout candidate? I mean I don't have a list in front of me. And to be honest, hearing Otto Porter even being a possible buyout candidate kind of threw me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. But if you're just listing those players, yeah, I'd take George Hill in a heartbeat. Like mm-hmm. if Nurk was out longer term, I probably kicked the tires on Andre Drummond. He's not my favorite prospect. Um as we had a similar but as a buyout. Like... As a buyout, yeah. I, I think I the know. big thing with Andre was that he was a max player when he wasn't deserving of it, but he still deserves to be in the league. Like he was just overpaid. So it made things different, difficult. He still deserves to be there. So if he was a buyout guy, sure. But if, if what we know of the team is that CJ and Nurk are coming back sooner rather than later, then yeah, George Hill would be the perfect backup point guard for, or a secondary creator that can shoot because he can shoot really well. And you can't leave George Hill open because he's done it for like a thousand years. He's been a NBA player for a while during last season with the bucks. He was leading the league in three point percentage. So he can, shoot. he can shoot and he's, he's kind of been there, done that. Like I'm of the mind. He can fit that... into any role on any team. Really. If you really think about it, he's a perfect backup point guard for any team. He can fill that role. He's confident. Yeah, that, that'd be my number one buyout guy. Yeah, I wouldn't just bring in someone just to say we brought in someone. I think it has to be someone who is actually going to get minutes. Uh, I think hopefully with CJ and Nurkic returning soon, maybe even against Phoenix, that we're kind of past the stage of just needing extra bodies. Like that kind of been there, done that. We kind of passed kind of passed that exit sign a while ago. So now if we're going to bring in somebody, it needs to be somebody that can actually contribute and add value to the team. So Sage, we are kicking off the second half of the season. 
21 and 14. We got three games up. We got the Phoenix Suns on Thursday. And then we have back to back in the Twin Cities against the Timberwolves on the 13th and the 14th. Uh, let's kick it off with one of the surprises of the NBA, uh, second in the West. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, they went into the, the all-star break incredibly hot. They are 24 and 11, eight and two in their last 10. They've won four straight. Um, we talked about this on last week's episode, but their difference is plus six and a half. So they score six and a half more points than they give up, which is impressive. And they're getting it done on the road. And that's where they'll play. They're 12 and five on the road. It's always hard to predict the first game after the all-star break, especially without fans. Uh, and it, it's, it's tough because this is the only chance we get not only to play the Suns at home, but if we lose this game, Sage, we can kiss that tiebreaker goodbye. Like we need this to at least tie up the season series. So there is a, a lot of questions about this game. Um, a lot of uncertainties, but a lot is riding on this. I mean, the Blazers, you don't want to kick off an incredibly difficult 67 day stretch on the wrong foot. Like you want to hit the ground running, take that momentum you gained from the all-star break and put it with maybe the best one of the season. So um, th th this is going to be an incredibly important regular season game. What, what do you see from the Suns? We, we saw Phoenix beat us by, I think 22 points a couple of weeks ago during that four game losing streak. They're clearly clicking. What do you see from them that just really gives Portland a lot of fits? Well, my first question would be, is Devin Booker going to play this game? Because he did sit out that All-Star game because he bumped knees in the uh, game before the All-Star game. So is he going to play? If he doesn't play, it kind it, it kind of makes it look like it's, it would be a fair, fair fight if they're missing Devin Booker and we're missing CJ and Nurk. Um, if he doesn't play, I, I really think it would be a really close matchup. So Booker sustained a left knee sprain during Thursday's game. The team noted that the issue is only quote unquote mild. The shooting guard is considered day to day. He will be reevaluated after the break, which means there's a chance he could miss a game or two when the league resumes play. Um, this information comes from Valley of the Suns, uh, which is a fan-sided. Um, so it's Gerald uh, Borget. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Verified on Twitter. Covers the Suns. So yeah, he he probably, if, if I'm being honest, Sage, I, I, I would predict this game like he's not going to play. Like if, if you're, when it, as a Blazer fan, when I hear reevaluated, it doesn't, doesn't mean they're coming back when they say they're reevaluating, they're reevaluating the player to see, okay, now when we can see him come back. Um, they're, they truly feel like they're championship contenders too. They're second in the they're West. They're not going to rush him back just to play us. It would be so stupid. So I think if Booker plays, I think that they have a humongous advantage because Devin Booker can post up whatever guard is guarding him. He did it against us a few weeks ago. I know he can do it. So if we're projecting him in, I think we lose. If he's out, I think that it's a toss-up. And I think it's going to be a really big game between Dame and uh, Chris Paul. 
and I'm going to lean towards Damian Lillard against, uh, against uh, Chris Paul. And uh, like, I, I know Chris is going to get his, his teammates involved, but we did a really good job of shutting Chris down in that game two or three weeks ago. So yeah, DJ I think we have the really formula to stop him. I think going off of, I believe Casey and Brooke on their podcast, they work for the team. I, I don't know if they have any inside information. Maybe they've just heard something here or there. The team hasn't really put anything out there. I think we could see the return of CJ McCollum against the Phoenix Suns. He's been practicing. He has had the boot off. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. Um, if he does, that's my How many minutes would he factor. play? I, I, I don't even know. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's 30. Maybe it's 25. I, I hope to God it's not 30. I hope it's 15. But my X factor is the emotional boost you get from seeing a superstar mm. like CJ McCollum back in the mix. Like You're just like, hallelujah. You know, we, we kept this ship afloat. Now you can start to steer us in the right direction. Like Dame's been trying to do, like, okay, I got to steer. I got to, you know, poke holes with gum so no water comes out. Read the I map. Gotta, yeah, I got to read the map. Oh, shit, we got a storm coming. Okay, we got to navigate past that. Now he's doing 30 different things. He can start to delegate. Okay, CJ, can you help me out on a couple of these things? Okay, well, let's get can you this ship. Longitude and latitude. <laughs> exactly. We need to get on the course for the championship. But that's my if CJ plays, I think we win. I think you just get the emotional boost of, of having him back. Is there any chance Nurk plays, or is it just CJ with a questionable? It, does he play or not? Just because we've been hearing CJ practice, I would say he's more closer to, to actual game time than Yusuf Nurkic. I, I, it would be really hard for me to like look at it and think that he's gonna play any real meaning meaningful minutes game one. But I think the boost would be really nice for the entire team. So I think we win if Devin Booker is out and we lose if he's playing. I mean, injuries this year are such a big factor. I think we win regardless. Okay, I like it. I think we have to win regardless. Who who scares you if it's the CP3-led Suns? I think you have to keep an eye out on just how Chris Paul elevates his entire supporting cast. He finds ways to get DeAndre Ayton really easy buckets. Uh, He was a matchup problem against Ennis Cantor due to his athletic ability. He finds ways to get shooters open like Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, um, Cam Johnson. He's just so under control and sees the game three to four steps ahead of, ahead of everyone else. Um, they call him the original point God for a reason. So, you know, I just think his ability to raise the, le- wherever he goes, the teams win, like whoever stopped and think about that goes to the Clippers. They go from a seller to a perennial Western conference threat goes to Houston. They're a Chris Paul hamstring injury away from dethroning the Kevin Durant warriors. Uh, he goes to OKC. They were supposed to tank, and they end up with home court advantage and push the Rockets to seven games. Goes to Phoenix. Phoenix hasn't made the playoffs in 10, 11 years. They're second in the West. Like, with he he is the most like winning point guard to never like really win anything. <laughs> to never win it. <laughs> but he he's fantastic, and and I think if the Blazers are going to win, I think they're going to have to 
value the possession. And that, that's one yeah, thing. Yeah, that, and the Suns play at a really slow pace because of Chris Paul. So each possession is so much more valuable. During the three-game win streak is I think we got a little reckless with our shooting. You know, I think a mm-hmm. couple of the games we got bailed out by game time at the end. And in Phoenix, you really saw that happen. Like it, when we took our time, I remember Wes throwing back-to-back like half-court lobs to DJ because it was open and, and we really saw the floor. I think we'll be at home. I'm hoping there's energy. I'm hoping they're ready to kick off the second half of the season. I, I'm glad we're actually playing a really good opponent because it's like, okay, we can't just sleepwalk past, you know, the Chicago Bulls or, or whoever. Like we have to handle, like we got a, a team that's better than us record-wise. Like we're, we're looking up at them in the standings. So I'm hoping by that nature alone that we're focused. And, you know, if we're, if we're talking X factors, I'm going to keep going on, on Carmelo Anthony. Um, it seems like whenever he plays well, the team plays well. Like the team just feeds off of him when he's going into vintage moments. And yeah, Dame could carry us home. But, you know, when Dame rests those 12 to 15 minutes, you got to have players step up. And Carmelo is kind of that offensive the force that, that we go to, whether it's, you know, catch and shoot or ISO and he kind of, you know, gets it done defensively. I'm really excited to see if DJ can recreate what he did on Chris Paul. And then, you know, Covington's just been making play after play. Um, if we can really lock in for a full 48, like our defense was really bad against the Kings until we needed a couple of stops. Mm. We can't play that type of defense no. or have that type of intensity against the Suns or they're going to wipe us off the floor. So there's just a lot of things that go into it, but I'm actually glad we're playing uh, an elite team because oh, I think it'll, team, it'll, yeah. it'll bring the best out of us. And then we go and we play, I think the opposite of a legit team. And these two games scare me more than any two games we've played this entire season. We're playing the bottom feeding Minnesota Timberwolves who are seven and 29. And in this COVID compact season, we don't just have to beat them once Sage. We really have to beat them beat twice because mm-hmm. you can't, you cannot lose to a team that is this bad. That doesn't really want to win. Yes. They got Carl Anthony Towns back, but D'Angelo Russell is hurt. Malik Beasley is suspended. Suspended for being stupid. They really have to focus. And I said this last week, but these two games, not the Phoenix game, these two games will show me what this team is, is capable of and what they're made of. If you go in and get a split, you could probably spin it one way or the other. I, I, I would choose not to. And not by you, I'm not talking you. I'm saying you as in the media could could maybe spin it one way or the other. And like, oh, yeah, we know we got a split. We can keep moving on. Given how difficult our schedule is, given the, the nature in which the games are being played at a pace of more than every other day, these are games you, you absolutely just cannot afford to lose. Like if we're looking once the season is completed and we're one game from where we want to be or that matchup that we wanted, if we look back, like, I really wish we could play that, that Minnesota Timberwolves game again. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to ever have that feeling of regret. And we've already let a couple of games slide this year that we should have won. Bottom line, you, you just, you cannot lose to a seven and 2019. And this is going to show me the focus of this Blazer team. Like, can they go in there? Nobody wants to travel to Minneapolis. Obviously. I mean, there's not going to be any fans there. So you're going to have to bring your own energy. 
can you go there and on back-to-back days just be like, okay, this is a business trip. We got it. We got to handle our shit. Like, this, these games scare me to death, Sage. I mean, here, here's a thing that can either excite you or make you even more nervous. Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Jake Lehman, Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns are their starting five. With Jalen Noel, who I think went to Washington, and I didn't remember the fact that he was a Pac-12 player. Jaden McDaniels, we know we've made our opinions about him quite known. Jarrett Culver, Jordan McLaughlin, and Nas Reed. That's their team. That's the rotation that they're running, the 10-man rotation. We have to make, we have to try and make life really difficult for Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, we got to give Dennis some help there. Yeah, because dude, Carl Anthony Towns has been hurt a lot and had COVID, but he can still ball his ass off. So that's the one. Like, if it's a know your personnel type game, let Ricky Rubio shoot. <laughs> Send help off Ricky and let Carl Anthony give Carl Anthony that that baseline help. Uh, that that's the guy that scares me. Ricky Rubio shooting threes doesn't. I, I know that uh, Anthony Edwards has played well since these guys have gone out, but he's a rookie and he isn't ready for that that smoke of going against a top five player in the league. We have to win both games, and it will prove a lot to a lot of people if we win both games. And I, I think that it's one of those things we have to win. I think we do. Carl Anthony Towns scares me because he's so talented and such a Difficult matchup for uh, for our guy, Ennis. So it's going to be a team effort to stop him and uh, force non-shooters to shoot. Yeah, I think the Blazers will win both. Same logic as the Phoenix game because they have to. And I think they're the better team. I think Dame's just – I think he's even more locked in, if that's possible. He knows he doesn't want to be any part of that play-in game. He knows what happens if we have to exert all of our energy in the regular season just to make it to the playoffs. You want to position yourself to have a chance when you get to the playoffs. So aside from Dame, like Dame had 37, seven and seven on 62% shooting against the Timberwolves earlier this season. We put up 135 points. I don't think offense is going to necessarily be the issue. I think Dame. Just stopping them enough to give us that margin of error. I think if Portland can just get a couple of bursts, whether it's like three to four stops, mm. go down and score three to four times. Like I think Dame and how he approaches this, these two games are going to be really important. Does he come out and be assertive or does he come out and be passive? I tend to like against worse opponents that he kind of comes out and puts his foot down. Like, okay, we're, we're not going to lose this one. Tonight. We're not even going to let them think they have a chance. And then once you build a little bit of a cushion, okay, now I'm going to start kicking it out. So I would look for Dame to be aggressive. But if we're looking for X factors, I think in two ways, I've got Ennis Cantor because he is that energy. He, he comes out and he fights and he finishes. He gets you easy baskets. I think he's, if you're in a tough game where maybe Dame's not shooting well, or it's just a, you know, just a really tough battle in the trenches. You could always count on Ennis. There was a, a, a play just, I think it was against the Warriors. He caught an air ball and he, and he put it back up and in. Like he kept us afloat. Like he just finds the most opportune ways. And he's going to be, in, they can't play him off the court. 
They have Carl Anthony Downs and uh shoot. Uh what's his name? Ja Reed. So th- like they, there isn't Pat there isn't that uber athletic Willie Gully Stein that makes life difficult for him. He's gonna play minutes and he's gonna play big minutes. And then I think Nasir Little, like if we're if you're looking for energy, he's gonna bring it. And I know Jared Vanderbilt plays really hard for for the Wolves. There's a couple of guys who are looking for their next contract, and they're not gonna make it easy. They just made a coaching change uh recently. They let go of Ryan Saunders, they brought in a Toronto assistant. Um, so he's gonna be evaluating his players. So it's almost like Timberwolves have got to prove. Yeah. So they got to kind of prove it all over again. So I think you need a player like Nas who's going to come out and, you know, be aggressive and just kind of set the tone and maybe pick up the team a bit. I thought he and Melo did a really good job in that Charlotte game. Uh, we looked, it was bad. Like that, that it was, we were riding a four game losing streak. Charlotte kind of punched us in the mouth. We weren't rebounding. We, we weren't really looking into the game. Melo and, and Nas come in and it's like, okay, let's play some basketball. And they were moving without the ball. I mean, getting buckets, having fun, raising the intensity level. And sooner or later, everyone picked up on that. And it was foot on the pedal time. And, and we dismissed the Hornets quite easily. But, you know, they were there. Like, that's why you have a bench to provide that that lift and bring that intensity to the game. So, you know, those are my two guys. So, I think I, I've got the way just going 3-0. Like, I, I really think – I think they're going to – they're going to make make a nice push and it, it starts and ends with Damian Lillard and I think everyone's going to follow I, I it's a 72 game season so it's a little bit shortened but I think we're past maybe those those dog days so to speak of winter uh, you've you've gotten past that maybe that trap of oh god thank god the all-star break is coming I can get my break my rest we won those games that was huge now it's like okay we have we can see the light of the end of the tunnel. We know we got 37 games left, and this is where we want to be. We've got a fantastic player to lead us. Our reinforcements are coming. So it's going to be a really fun finish to the end of the season, and I think Portland could really set the tone and put the heat on teams like the Lakers and the Clippers who maybe due to age, maybe due to arrogance, I feel like they can rest players here and there and you can scooch on past them. And like, okay, now you're really cemented in the home court advantage. You could, you can start to pick your opponent in the first round, which with what you want to do rather than just fight for your playoff lives. So you definitely want to be in that former position um, rather than what the position Portland was in last year. All right. We are available on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, uh, dash radio, nothing but net radio Tuesdays, dash radio Tuesdays, uh, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific, 4 to 5 Eastern. Uh, if you listen this, this far, you're a real one. And uh, tell a friend about the Holy Backboard so we can take advantage of this iTunes algorithm. But uh, thank you so much, and we are out of here. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! <laughs>